Welcome to Pep Talks, Pepper Jam's affiliate marketing podcast, where we chat with some of the channel's most well-known brands and most influential partners. Today, we're meeting with Mackenzie Child, CMO, Larry Shaw, to talk how they overcame skepticism about the affiliate channel and now credit it as one of their biggest channels for both sales and new customer acquisition, driving roughly two-thirds of their brand's new-to-file customer sales. I'm Katie Sparkland, joined today by Chrissy Kammerer. If you haven't yet, just take a beat and uh, subscribe to Pep Talks so you can automatically receive updates to our new episodes. Or better yet, you can fire off a review and tell us what you think. Your reviews help us to continue to get exciting guests like the one we have today. Thanks, Katie. I'm Chrissy Kemmer, and joining us today is Larry Shaw. Larry is the CMO of Mackenzie Childs, uh, and Mackenzie Childs is a client on Pepper Jam's Ascend affiliate platform. And to me, I'm a total fangirl right now, but Mackenzie Childs is the Cadillac of unique artisan handcrafted home decor and gifts. Uh, Everything is of such high quality, and I'm obsessed, as I know Katie is too, with anything courtly check pattern. Uh, which I think is probably the hallmark or the calling card of the Mackenzie Childs brand itself. So we're t- going to try not to fangirl you too It'll hard. be hard to resist, though. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but we will be asking some probably personal questions for our own knowledge on what our next purchase will be, Larry. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. We're so happy to have you. Yeah, and feel free to fangirl the whole time. That, that's <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Permission, permission is granted. Uh, so, Larry, you have more than 25 years of retail experience, and I know that you also served in other C-level roles at other organizations. So it's a pretty impressive resume. So to kick things off, can you share a little bit about your marketing background and what led you to Mackenzie Childs? Yeah, of course. So I'm one of those rare instances where someone actually built a career in the same field that they majored in. So I <laughs> went, went to college. You just don't hear about that. It, does, it happens. I'm, I feel like a unicorn at this point. Um, it was, uh, I, I went to college, uh, majored in marketing and actually was always interested in pursuing retail marketing. So, you know, I, mm-hmm. after, after a, a one year stint of doing something else, I actually got into, um, into, uh, retail marketing, uh, and have really been in direct to consumer my, uh, entire, actually now 30 years. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the, the one thing I've always been attracted to in all of the companies that I work for, the commonality is that they're all, I've always worked for brands with a passionate customer following with high levels of customer engagement. Um, so companies right. like uh, like Nordstrom, uh, Vermont Country Store, uh, places like that. So, you know, when, when the when the McKenzie Child's job opportunity um, kind of surfaced, um, it was really a perfect uh, next step for me because it fits a lot of the same criteria. I mean, we, you know, our, our customer engagement and passion is, is really similar to probably to Nordstrom, which is, was, I would say the other place I've been that's had the highest level of, of, of kind of crazy passion and fans. So um, it was, this was an easy fit for me. All right. Yeah, I would agree with that with Nordstrom as well. Yeah, pretty natural. Um, So you joined Mackenzie Childs in 2016, which as a year was a pretty wild ride for marketers. I mean, you had things like customer experience becoming a top priority. Ad blockers were gaining more momentum. The social media and mobile were more like in-brand strategy. So when you joined the brand, what immediate changes did you make to accommodate the evolving landscape? So I I came at the perfect time. We, we were going through a transition in terms of uh, of ownership and leadership. So 
you know, about a year before I came on board, um, we were purchased uh, by a by a different investment company. A new CEO came on board, and it was uh, they were really looking for us to uh, make the transition uh, from where we were before, which is really a traditional uh, print and bottom of the funnel um, digital um, business. So. You know, our focus up to mm-hmm. then was, was primarily on the direct and on catalog, email, paid search. Um, and the, the kind of with the new direction, the company was really looking for us to not only grow faster, but also for ways to jumpstart their growth. So, um, so again, just, just as the industry was changing, we were open and willing to change as a company. Um, you know, we were, so, so we focused a lot at that point. You know, really the goal was to not only to take it from the programs that existed, but really to add to those programs much more, many more digital social programs. And really, most importantly, really was uh, focusing on enlarging the top of the funnel audience. Everything we did before was really about bottom of the funnel. It was all about getting the sale right away to a certain right. group of people. And we focused a lot at that point transitioning to how do we make the top of the funnel bigger in terms of getting in front of more people in terms of awareness engagement and then driving more people through a, a larger bottom of the funnel. So not only was it perfect timing in the industry, it was perfect timing for us because we were really not too early or too late for the changes. Uh, we kind of timed everything perfect. Right. And I know that mar- the marketing goals, obviously, they they evolve. So when you're focused on bottom of the funnel and you you need to move into every spot of that funnel and, and get your customers where they're where they're at, the goals also need to change. Was that something that when you went in, you were already prepared to do, or was that something that was on the docket of we absolutely need to do this? Did you put your stamp on it, so to speak? So when Especially I came in, I was experienced with Nordstrom. Yeah, I was when I came in, I was hired just to grow the to help grow the business, right? It was it was not a Here's the strategies we're going to put in place. Go ahead and do that. Yeah. So um, I, I kind of, my goal was I was given was about growth. Um, and it was up to me to, and, and my team to figure out like how we were going to grow. Um, so, you know, the primary goal coming in was everything was measured about sales, right? It was not about, right. it was not about how big is the audience and what's the engagement rate looks like and what's the month over month or year over year website traffic or you know how how big is our social audience and none of those things were goal were, were really goals at that point it was really just about getting the sale um so so we really um goal wise because we were working on increasing the top of the funnel uh, to really get in front of more people we had to add in new goals that were tied to those so so things like you know we track we started tracking things like um you know um the engagement rates on our social channels um, year over year, day over day, you know, month over month, website traffic in terms of new users and repeat users, new customer growth, right. um, lifetime value, and things like that. So we really kind of set into place goals that would measure both the top of the funnel and the bottom of the funnel. But more importantly, in terms of how do you know what happens in terms of acquiring new customers and how do we grow their lifetime? Right, that all makes makes sense to me too. Now, along that way, when you were were sort of learning or not learning, but maybe implementing those different strategies to hit all points of the funnel. Were there any happy accidents that you had with your marketing strategy as you navigated through? Yeah, we kind of stumbled. A couple of things became clear really at the beginning um, and it was not like our primary goal. So, you know, it was pretty clear after we started, we, we did a lot of stuff in the first two years. Like we put into place like 
know, this was like jumping in and getting ready and starting work from day one to sprint a marathon. So, you know, we put into place dozens right. of programs. And one of the things that became clear with all of these things as kind of our happy accident was the importance of content and engagement. You know, our customers want to be part of our brand. And every time we did something fun um, that kept them engaged, sales grew. Yes. Yeah, you're building an experience. Yeah. So it's all about experiences. They, they just want to be involved. And if we involve them and keep them engaged, they will continue to buy and find things to buy. So like one, one good example is, you know, um, we, we had, we have on our, we're on Salesforce Commerce Cloud as our website platform. And uh, we have these, uh, all of these amazing tools that we can use. So we have this tool, uh, Disruptor tool, where we can add in to all of our pages, kind of these little ads on there too. So we, we were in our first Easter promotion and season. And then we decided, you know, we've got the disruptor tool. We've never used it before. Let's just try it and see what, how it works. So we did, uh, we brainstormed and we came up uh, on, you know, to do an online Easter egg hunt where right. sprinkled throughout the site were these kind of Easter egg things randomly. And if you clicked on one, it, it gave you to a form where you could enter to, to win a prize in a sweepstakes. Um, and uh, so it's at the first one and the level of engagement was like through the roof and that totally like drove extra sales um, as a result of that. Even though we were not actually selling anything in there, we were just selling engagement, uh, but it led directly to sales. So, you know, we found that more and more, it really is about, uh, we, we, you know, if we can uh, focus our energies on content and engagement, that actually drives sales. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. And it's especially with Mackenzie Childs, so much of the interest that I feel I have in it, it it's looking at all the different products, but it, but you do sort of get uh, a, a different kind of feeling. It's a fun retail feeling when I when I look at Mackenzie Childs, different things that uh, different items and, you know, different catalogs and the way things are set up. I'm always I feel like I I'm getting a little bit of of knowledge from from a design perspective. I feel like I'm getting new ideas, especially around the holiday and and all the fun things that that you can do there as well. Exactly. So it sounds like um, from after you joined the business, you were sort of a trailblazer in building out some more of those omni-channel goals for the customer experience. Um, one particular example that we read about was in 2017, the launch with Evine, which is today's Shop HQ. So um, you guys had done a campaign with them and it far exceeded your initial sales forecasts. You had sold out product lines, which totally understandable. I can see where everyone would be racing to get those products. Um, so what learnings did you pull from that event and um, how have you applied that to campaigns sense i learned yes. to order online because i'm sorry but what i went to get the the courtly check teapot with the red top and it was totally sold out so i yeah. missed out on that that boat you gotta be quicker yeah. you gotta be quicker <laughs> you have to be quick you know it's it's funny it's like in that first um the first show on evine everything we sold was product that we've had in our line for a long time they're not um they, it wasn't like we were launching unique items that were only for that event um, so right. it was stuff that people could have bought. I mean, they could have gone on the day before on our website and bought and bought the product. So what what was amazing about that was pretty clear was 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 it worked for a couple of reasons. It worked because um, Rebecca, who's our chief brand officer, is an amazing storyteller, mm -hmm. um, and she just really is amazing in her personality. And it just showed for us uh, how important both live events are and also the whole content storytelling piece. It, all goes, it's, it kind of reinforces the whole engagement piece. Um, people want to, 
people can tr either do something transactionally. I mean, they could go onto our website or someone's website and buy our product, or they could do something and be involved and engage because there's some extra content or some extra hook on there too. And that keeps them on longer. So it clearly, it was, it showed the importance, I think of again, live events and content still storytelling. So I think since then we've done a couple of things. We've actually built a replica of that studio. So the, um, the shop HQ studio that we launched, we actually have a replica of that built in our, uh, in our corporate offices uh, that we use for our own uh, Facebook lives and other video shoots. Um, so That's we do really cool. versions of that and we'll continue to do more of those uh, uh, ourselves. Uh, we also are doing more live events in Aurora and we're also are doing a ton more on terms of content related things that you'll see over the next couple of years. Uh, because, and I think the kind of the gem, the origins of that really started with the Frozen Bunny. So you think that the live events, the value there was that you were able to tell your story, but also generate a sense of urgency. Yeah, and, and I would say urgency and intimacy. I mean, people want yeah. to um, people want to connect with a brand that's authentic and that also is fun and not yeah. just transactional. Um, and, and clearly the live shows created a sense of urgency, which clearly helps. And we, we know that on our own end, you know, as we do promotions and, and marketing events, um, the the parts that drive those sales are the beginning of the event, which is surprise, right? And the close right. of the event, which is urgency. Um, that's what drives those events. That those, those are usually half of the sales of any event or are in the first couple of days, the last couple of days. Yeah. Kind of like an emotional roller coaster. Conservers don't know they're bit. on. And I think too, I, with Katie and I both being in content marketing specifically, for me, I watched the entire segment the first time that it was on evine and i i believe it was an hour then there was a break and then they came back again and there was another hour but but you're right in that it sort of just drew me in i felt a different connection with the brand that i wouldn't get say just perusing the site or even just flipping through a catalog it was it was sort of like influencer meets a different sort of medium Yep. So, spending some time with your friends. Yeah, you're spending some time with your friends. I'm getting to know the brand. I was totally charmed by the host, and I, I just wanted to learn more. I wanted to know more, and I was, you know, at the same time deducing of what I could purge in my my kitchen currently to make room for all these okay. these great new items. So, so it certainly it certainly works. I think on consumers because they're looking for a deeper engagement. They want a connection yep. to the brand. They want to feel part of that of that engagement, and they want to feel part of the brand ultimately. Yep. Yeah. Of what other ways, Larry, does influencer marketing or just the value of, of an influencer fit into your marketing mix today? So, so the influencer piece is really uh, critical to kind of our go-forward strategy. So that was actually the, um, the first new program that we launched after I started was the influencer program. We were kind of one of the early brands into influencer marketing. And um, it was literally, I would think, like the third day I started. Um, uh, we, I, we, I was working with our, um, who, a person who was our PR person who just left, literally left like the second day after I started to start an influencer agency. So uh, we worked together in terms of developing a McKenzie Southland influencer program. Uh, and our goal really for that program was to turn the brand over to other people to get in front of their audience in an authentic manner and start appealing to younger shoppers. You know, the trend really, we could see the trend was to, Really, it's about authenticity and let other people tell your story in an authentic manner. That's how you get a bigger audience because that, that's how you pull in their audience. Um, 
and we knew that we wanted to get younger. So the influencer program was really important to to us. And it's really um, it's really has become the critical part of our top of the funnel audience engagement strategy. You know, it's it drives a significant amount of engagement. You know, last year, uh, last calendar year, we had over 26 million brand engagements coming from the influencer program. Wow. And uh, it's also the number one way for us to get in front of younger audiences with scale. Um, so we we use it, uh, and I think we built this the right way, which is, again, it's not about control, right? It's about um, taking what we do really well, which is to create great, fun products and letting other people um, take that and tell the story. Definitely. And we couldn't agree more on the authenticity of influencers being one of their their primary values. And you guys definitely do a great job with that influencer program. Um, but in addition to influencers, Mackenzie Childs casts a really wide net in terms of the mediums that you guys cover. Um, I mean, there's the catalog, which, of course, is a staple in my home. Um, you guys have a really beautiful blog, the website. There's a strong social following, brick and mortar stores. Um there's, I mean, across the whole board. So as the CMO, have you, um, how do you ensure there's a seamless shopping experience for buyers, despite what way they choose to engage with your content? How, how do you connect it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so the seamless part for us is pretty, is pretty easy. You know, we really don't focus on programs. We focus on product and content. So we, we, um, we, we have an interesting approach. We, we have a, um, a rolling 12 month marketing calendar that we go over literally every day. It is a day-to-day, day-over-day um, look over the next 12 months for every day of what, what are the messages, what are the promotions, what are the events that we're going to do from a customer standpoint. Um, so <laughs> it is, I could tell you, so we, if we go to April of next year, I could tell you what we're going to do at, at, in every day. What are the overarching promotions and themes? Tell us. No, <laughs> well, that, that one you will have to wait. I can tell you right now, we're running a, a, an Aurora Artisanal promotion to celebrate um, our heritage of ceramics. And we have, this is our happy birthday month, so we're running a Simply Smashing um, Yay, uh, Child's month events. But those were planned six months ago. So we always know what we're going to do, and then we layer on the channels and the programs of how we're going to kind of disperse that. Um, so again, we focus on this from a customer standpoint first, as opposed to a program uh-huh. standpoint. Um, so we really don't talk program. We really do talk, you know, we lead we lead with content and product and messaging and storytelling, and then we just figure out what's the right uh, method, right? What are the right channels and programs in order to tell those? That's and that's across. That's just and that's across direct in our own retail store. Yeah. yeah. On that note, um, I feel like you've mentioned several different times just the connection that you have with your consumers and reaching them in the most authentic way. Um, so as a marketer, how do you keep a pulse on your consumers? Um, what kind of open lines of feedback do you have with them? Um, and then how do you typically communicate with them to make sure that the message that you're crafting is reaching them? Yeah, and keeping up with the the finickiness, so to speak, of consumer behavior, because it's 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 flighty sometimes. It's not as predictable as it could be. So how do we how do you keep your pulse on it? Yep. So, so those are all great questions. So, uh, we first of all we have very um, loud and um, engaged customers. So they tell us all the time how we're doing. So they're they're not shy. I can tell you, not only not shy, but they notice everything. Like like we literally we can make we could put something up on the website, uh, something new, not even talk about it. We could make a mistake. We could do anything, and literally people start talking about it. There are actually user groups. Uh, on Facebook that are all Mackenzie Childs user groups that they share stories <laughs> of what's going on. 
Um, so, so they're not shy, but um, you know, we we uh, we stay connected a bunch of ways. We, uh, myself included, I actually see every uh, customer e email that comes through. Um, so wow. first, the the call center is actually part of the marketing team. So that's part of our. So my team is is uh, marketing, creative services, the customer service team. So we're all one team. So that way, we're always there's always a customer component of everything we're doing because it's all part of what we do. Uh, from a team standpoint, it makes total sense. Yeah, and I see, I see every email, every email that comes through. Um, you know, where's my order? Questions about this order, feedback, etc. I see everything. Um, so, and that comes right into my email inbox. So we see that every day. Um, I also see all the every day all of the social uh, comments that get posted. Uh, those get shared around. Uh, we get you know any time that anyone comments on anything. On any of our channels, we all see it right away. Um, so that 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 really helps us stay stay in tune with things. Um, and then from a customer standpoint, they give us feedback uh, lots of different ways, and we which allows us to stay engaged. One is the feedback loops. You know everything from right. the things we talked about to those Facebook user groups. Um, there's all these fan groups on there that we um, we get feedback from. Um, we also um, they post they share a lot of content that we repost or or take a look at, um, and they also but ultimately it's about we look at things like uh, traffic engagement rates what products are selling you know we look at all of the things like that those are all kind of ways for us to gauge what customers are interested in um, beyond just the, um, the the product selling part so. I think we have a pretty good feedback loop in terms of what works and what doesn't work and what customers want. And we're also we're also good about reacting quickly. So if something comes up that's that's not great from a customer standpoint, we we can address it quickly uh, because we, right. we don't have a lot of bureaucracy and we don't have all of these barriers to getting information. Which is very empowering for for any brand, really. And and I know just hearing about the the way that the department is structured and how everyone is sort of in the loop and and you have to kind of have eyes on everything when it pertains to the customer. I it if it was possible, it it's increased my my fondness for for the McKenzie Child's brand. Uh, so speaking to the product diversification, I both Katie and I were fawning all over the outdoor furniture, <laughs> which uh, we didn't, I did not see it. I don't know if it's new or, or if it's just was hidden for a little bit for me. I'm pretty sure if I owned it, it would change my life though. It would, it would completely change, change mm -hmm. lives. Uh, but what is the process for, for designing new pieces? And, and selfishly, I would like to know if you have a favorite product or a favorite item that to you is quintessential Mackenzie Childs. Yep. So, so a good question. So the product, um, the product cycle, it's, it's interesting and very long here. Um, so it is, um, it's basically a two year cycle. Um, so we are working right now on 2021 uh, from a product standpoint. So to your design process, you know, we introduce over a thousand new products a year. Um, you know, we introduce every six months over 600 products uh, each half of the year. So, you know, they start with inspiration storyboards with our design team. You know, here's the cult, here's the concept themes. You know, this season we think we're inspired by peacocks or this color or, you know, this artist or something. So there, there's a real design kind of concept inspiration that comes out of the, from the mind of Rebecca 
or chief brand officer. And then we, you know, that whole thing gets then ultimately taken to scale down and applied to products and categories. Um, so, you know, if, 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 for example, if, a, if one of the design things is Peacock, or let's say actually last year was penguins for Christmas, how do, how do we take the concept of penguins and how do we, what can we apply that to, right? Do we apply it to home, home decor or seasonal or towels or, you know, what else it gets applied to? goes, you know, to Protestant categories, then it goes into development. Um, so it's a, it's a two-year cycle. We see as a marketing other team, we see these products a year out. They're kind of introduced to us. Right. At that point, they go into forecast and production, and then a year later, they hit the shelf. So it is a long process. It works for us versus other companies because we develop things that, are insp that are inspired and originate from us. We don't look at what trends are out there and then try to kind of copy those trends. Um, so as a result of that, this is all like, this is all internally inspired. Classics. Yeah, as, a, and as opposed to trend-based. Um, so we look at trends and things like that to understand that piece, but ultimately we are, we're, we're creating things to get people excited and things that maybe they never even thought they knew or needed or wanted or even knew existed. Um, so it's just different. As part of that product development process, knowing that you have, you know, uh, you have access to them a year out, do you ever share those products with um, like your loyal user base just to see how they're going to, how they're going to be accepted by the global market? Oh, like or is it, yeah, just like a little teaser sort of like, I guess it would be akin to like a beta release of a product. I feel like Katie's asking you if yeah. we could be those people. Yeah, I, maybe. I'm slowly <laughs> trying to introduce myself as the girl for the beta. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, but what, what do you do um, just to get some kind of earlier feedback on those products before you release them yep. either on the website or just for sale? Yep. Question. So we, so one thing is we don't test product. We go all in. And so we, because we think the inspiration is the important part. Once we've got that far into the process, they're already in development. And it's really, and they're wow. ready to go. So we do tease out ahead of time. So a couple of things with our influencer program, we actually introduce, uh, give them a sneak preview or influencers uh, six months out of what the new things are coming to see what they're interested in talking about, um, because they're going to be the ones that are kind of spreading the news to their audience. So we do two teasers there at our annual barn sale, which is in July every year in Aurora, which gets 25,000 people over four days we actually do a product preview it's on these huge vinyl um, banners that we post uh, while people are waiting in line and uh, we give them a sneak preview of the new season coming up or even a sneak preview of uh, of the um the season a couple of items from the season that's coming up in six months um so we will release oh, so excited just hearing about that yeah so uh, so for example one thing is we actually did uh, so not not this fall, but actually in January, February 2020, we're uh, reintroducing a different version. We had a while ago we had these uh, Czech Hunter boots um, that were rain boots that we ran for a while that we stopped running. So we actually have two new boots uh, that we're launching in spring. One's a tall boot that's flower market design, and one's a shorter boot that's a Czech design. Um, so we we previewed those at barn sale on the banner, even though they're not coming out for six months and a couple of our staff members actually walked around the whole uh, barn sale with them on um, as a preview. You know, we, we've talked about trying to get out in front of customers earlier to show them 
things. And we just, we've decided not to do it because when we started to do it a little bit, everyone as a customer wants to buy it now. And when they can't buy it now, it, it makes them mad. Um, so <laughs> so we, actually, we actually have, to have, have from, the, from the customer standpoint, backed off of doing that. We want it to be a surprise and we want them the minute we talk and show it, they need to be able to buy it. It's also the reason why we don't do pre-orders for the same reason. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. And that the four-day barn sale kind of viewing, showing festival almost, it sounds like, is just that gets me very, very enthused and interested. I imagine the energy there is is something that's right up my alley. Yeah. It's a four-day advocate fest. Yeah. It's, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like Woodstock for female baby boomers is basically what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to describe that. Uh, so if we transition a little bit now, Larry, into speaking directly to affiliate, which which when we, we speak about influencer marketing, I think that um, we, we sort of get the idea that there is a, a partnership there, that there is a, a mutual exchange of value and you're working with people who are essentially brand ambassadors or people who profess their also mutual love for for the brand and and that content organically in the sense of naturally it sounds it just it tells the story it paints it paints the picture for the audience and and really that's what creates that engagement when it comes to affiliate marketing uh do you do you have any win that stands out in your mind or do you have a specific strategy or when you when you sit down and you're you're determining marketing mix or what your your spend is going to be allocated to how does affiliate fit into that picture? Yeah, so yeah, affiliate's really an important program. It's actually one of our biggest uh, programs, uh, both from a sales and also from a new customer acquisition. So, you know, well, I have to say one thing, when we launched affiliate was one of the first new programs we launched. Um, there was some skepticism at the beginning, whether it made sense or not, because affiliates historically are all about discounting and coupons. Uh, and, yes. and so, um, I would say one win right from the beginning was that we, we decided to go into the program and not offer anything different than we normally do. So, you know, we normally have a standing, you know, free ship over $150 uh, promotion that we run on an ongoing basis. And then we run every, every so often we run other programs that have some promotions and stuff like that. So we went in from the beginning saying the only thing we're going to do in affiliates is we're going to promote what we're already doing. So if we're running a promotion, and our other channels will use that uh, with affiliates, but we're not going to do anything different. Otherwise, we're just going to promote what we normally do. Um, and it was what was amazing from the beginning is we didn't need to discount anymore or do anything different than we normally do in order to significantly grow in a totally. channel. Totally a misconception about the channel. So it's great to hear that that was one of your wins. Correct. So that was definitely a win. It was also a surprise. You know, I wasn't sure also at the beginning how many existing customers would just shift to affiliate. Uh, because they were looking right. for a deal. And then, um, you know, then it was concerned, are we just going to get existing customers to shift over and not get new customers? And that's actually not been the case. Uh, not only are we growing sales, but most of the um, of the sales, about two thirds of the sales from affiliate are actually new customers. Um, so it's one of our, it's actually one of our programs that drives the highest new customer growth. That was a, that was a surprise to me also. Um, and then there's just some, you know, what we see in general with affiliates is um, besides the fact that we don't have to discount uh, when other brands are doing extra discounts on that piece, too. I mean, it, it, it clearly amplifies promotions and things we're doing. So, for example, we do these semi-annual sales. 
and we've looped our affiliates into that, um, into the program. And they like the spike up that we get on those sales, use helping use our affiliate really jumpstarts our sales. Um, we see the same thing with other promotions too. So it is, uh, it really has become a big, it's, it's really a program that amplifies our other programs that we're strategically doing as opposed to being disconnected from them. So that was our, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that wasn't, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. You know, I knew there was sales potential there. I wasn't sure what, how it was going to work for us. Um, and it's actually, that's fair too. Yeah. It's really more than, I, I, I think it's more than, um, more than achieve what we wanted. It's really surprised us and it continues to grow year over year too. That's wonderful to hear. And I think that is a very common misconception about the channel in general. I know we certainly for from the years that we've been here have heard that time and time again. And, and affiliate really gets a bad reputation for sitting at the bottom of that funnel and pretty much relying on, on last click metrics and things like that. And I it really, truly, once you understand the channel and you use it in the appropriate ways and you use it to harmonize with your other Paid it's channels. more of a compliment yeah. to your other compliment. paid channels. And it really sits in every stage of the funnel. Right. I, mean, I mean, it really does. You just can't argue with two thirds of your sales coming no. from new customers through the channel, though. That is, that's a really awesome stat yeah. and definitely a big win. Yeah, no, you can't. And and now that we're we're talking more about, about influencers and, and using affiliate as that, that gauge, I just want to talk a little bit more about the consumer connections. Um, and I want you to tell me a little bit about the Truly MC Rewards Program. Because I, I saw a little bit of it on the website and, and it, I did not know anything about it. So I'm hoping maybe you could shed a little light on it for us. I'm happy to do that. But of course, you could find out the most by joining. So that, that, would, be, <laughs> well, that would be in your own, your own benefit. This is me. an obvious next step for me now. <laughs> so it, it is. Uh, so, so I'll actually give you the backstory on the, on the, the rewards program. Well, first of all, it, it is our, it's our loyalty program for, for, for people that don't know what it is. It's... Uh, it is the most important new program we've launched since I've been here. Um, you know, we kind of modeled it after the airline programs. You know, airline programs do a great job with loyalty because they, they're they tiered. So there's incentives to move up to purchasing tiers and spend more dollars because the best work as the, as you, uh, you know, benefits escalate as you move up, up in the tiers. So, um, we couple, couple funny stories about how it started. It, this is actually we, we actually brainstormed this idea as at a, uh, a leadership retreat. So everyone says you go to these leadership retreats, you come up with new ideas, and nothing ever comes from them, um, which is usually true. Uh, in, this case, in this case, we actually brainstormed new growth opportunities, and we this is one of the ones we came up with, and we just I just decided we're just going to go do it. So we um, we actually took this on as a marketing team. This was our uh, our annual uh, team project uh, was to really uh, was to develop and launch the loyalty program. So we did it, we did it over the course of a year as the whole the whole marketing team uh, developed this together. So we we spent about six months uh, concepting it, brainstorming it, looking to see how other people do things. Um, how do we structure the tiers? How many tiers? What are the thresholds for tiers? What are the benefits? It was an amazing project. We did a lot of financial projections. Etc. We also had a really great launch plan. So when we went live with this in February of uh, 2018, uh, it was a um, it was like really well thought out and, and and concepted. And you know, really our goal. Yeah, you fully did it for sure. We really did our homework on this one, and uh, because once you put a loyalty program, you can't go back either. You're into it, right? It's really hard to stop a loyalty program. So 
And we designed this whole thing to, um, to, to reward customers for spending more uh, and to be for their commitment to the brand. And then our goal on our own end was to use it as a way to both increase lifetime value of customers and also use it as a as an acquisition hook. I mean, there is there is a benefit. There's a sign up benefit for doing this. We actually leverage uh, loyalty as a way to get new customers into other uh, brand. I love it. It's valuable. Yeah. So we talked a lot about today some of the wins that affiliates provided. You shared some stories from your influencer program and how you stay connected with your customers. So it sounds like things are really um, you know going very well for you right now. But what do you have in terms of predictions for the future of Mackenzie Childs? Well, besides high growth and lots more customers, um, we, uh, yeah, I think from a marketing standpoint, we, we really see that content and engagement are king. You know, we're, we're, we're working a lot more and more on the content side of things. Um, you know, cr- trying to create hourly, daily, weekly moments and events, you know, through our, through digital social print that are fun and interesting. So we actually, um, you know, I, from a team standpoint, I, um, we, I give, I give my team um, two challenges each year. Uh, one is we come up with kind of team of uh, team challenges in terms of projects we're going to work on in terms of two or three big things like loyalty was one a few years ago that we were going to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this year our team challenges are uh, to really grow our uh, registry uh, program and also to relaunch our interior uh, trade design program. So those are kind of big ones we're working on from a team. I also that individually we give people individual challenges and the individual challenge this year was for every person on our team had to come up with three ideas of single day fun holidays that that would be Mackenzie Child branded that we could launch that were content based. So we actually have now about 35, 36 new kind of content events that we're going to launch over the next 18 months. Wow. So, I mean, we, we've gone all in on this. So that part is important. And then also to support that, too, we're working on a lot more about um, for us as a future about personalized touches utilizing data. You know, we're going to be uh, launching uh, mobile messaging um, to create a more personal touch beyond email. We're working on a lot of customer lifecycle triggers out of our customer database that are data-driven, data a lot more triggered emails. Again, it's all about using all of the customer data that we have about what customers want and need and using the personalized programs in order to deliver that to them. Super cool. It is. Well, it's evident that your team rises to a challenge. So if consumers wanted to see uh, what's next for Mackenzie Childs or find you, where can they go? Yep. So best places to always follow us are either on MackenzieChilds.com. That's Mackenzie-Childs.com. You know, we also have a big presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Uh, Those are the places, anything that we do uh, we'll be on one of those four places, usually on all of those four places or some combination. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and YouTube, uh, with YouTube really becoming more and more in the future of uh, kind of a growing presence because we're really kind of into video right now from a content creation standpoint. Yeah. I have to say, Larry, if it's possible for me to have grown in my my fondness for the brand today, Today was the day. Uh, I'm super impressed by every everything that you've talked us through. And from a marketer to a marketer, it's it's a pretty tight ship. Mackenzie Childs runs there. And it was just completely cool to have the opportunity to talk to you. So thank you again so much. But I would be remiss if I let you go without doing a really quick lightning round of some light, fun questions. So are you in for yeah, it? Of course. Go ahead. All right. Let's go. Are you ready? Huh? Last song you listened to. Oh, God. Um, let the bodies hit the floor by uh, 
by Drowning Pool. Wow, that's great. Uh, favorite saying or quote? Um, this is actually a song. Uh, everybody's a dreamer. Everybody's a star. Everybody's in showbiz, no matter who you are. That was actually my um, in college in a fraternity when we did pledge weeks and everything, and the pledges had to get a quote from everyone. That was my quote. That is that's super a good one. Cool. I, I, it was not body. And before, I like the so backstory. The backstory makes it even better. The, the backstory is super cool. What are you most looking forward to right now? Uh, vacation in the end of September at Kiowa Island with my wife, my daughter, her boyfriend, and my son. That's going to be a good time. Lucky you. And who would you like to have dinner with, whether they are alive or no longer with us? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, probably Martin Luther King. Very good. And who do you admire most? My wife. She's a... I'm going to put a plug in for her. She's, <laughs> she's a Renaissance woman. She's a farmer, a dog breeder. Um, so she's much more interesting. You should have actually done the hour with her. It would have been more interesting. She's much more interesting. <laughs> I have a lot more questions for her, too, as a follow-up. She'll be next. Uh, dream vacation destination. Um, favorite vacation destination, Hawaii. And so. One more time with that. Oh, what was the dream Hawaii. vacation destination? Hawaii. Hawaii, mm. oh, yeah. the big, sure the big island, too. the big island, because you can see the volcano, and then you can also be at the beach within a couple hours. Oh yeah, always the big island, right? And last but not least, favorite cocktail. Um, well, that's I can tell you one. I can tell you one that I had. My favorite cocktail is usually the last one I had. Uh, so it's <laughs> it, it has to be it has to be spicy. So last one I had, we had a. I had a carrot uh, habanero. Um, it was like a carrot habanero margarita. Oh, wow. That sounds yeah. interesting and spicy, but I agree on that too. We have so much in common, Larry. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we hope to hear from you soon and wish nothing but McKenzie Childs the best in the future. Thanks so much, thank Larry. You. Thank you. We just spoke with Mackenzie Child CMO Larry Shaw about growing their own loyalty program by deepening customer commitment and attaining high lifetime value. They also leverage loyalty in a way to gain new customers and their personalized touches add to their data-driven outreach. They basically use all their customer data that's available to them. You can check out the full podcast plus many more by visiting us at pepperjam.com slash podcasts.